0: I'm disturbed. I don't know why I decided to do this. What's up, Eufonots? We're back with another edition of the Meltdown. It's been far too long, and today we're covering a landmark classic movie, Signs. One of Mel Gibson's just greatest movies. I know. I know my guest is excited to talk about it, and that guest is Brian Hasty from the Double Density Podcast. How you doing, man?
1: I, I will not lie to you Rob I've I've been better I think I, I think after going through this I've I've been better like I know that you and I are friends and I very much appreciate your friendship but sometimes you, you pull shit like this where you ask me to watch really bad movies and it just it gets to me and I, I like fuck you dude <laughs> just straight up like, like the entire time I'm watching this I was just filled with a low level of rage.
0: You know, I'm not above, you know, trying to coax those emotions out of people. (laughs) I think it makes for for great audio medium. Oh,
1: yes. Oh, yeah. I have tons of notes, some handwritten, some in blood, some typed. Like, I have a whole menagerie here. Good to go.
0: Well, I think that just shows your passion for this movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or the medium of filmmaking in general versus what this tries to be, I think is more so what it is.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. So, um, today we're talking about the 2002 M. Night Shyamalan movie, Signs. Um, So... Uh, before we, before we get into it, I I just want to read a a, a good synopsis here and I will try to do it in my best trailer voice. So, um, (laughs) who, okay, let's get, let's get ready for this Mm. (laughs) in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, Colleen Hess, the wife of local priest, Reverend Graham Hess dies a horrific death in a traffic accident after the accident. Graham denounces his faith and his vocation to work full-time on his farm. His brother, Merrill, a former minor league baseball player known for more <laughs> batting brawn than his finesse, moves <laughs> into the farmhouse to assist his brother in looking after Graham's two adolescent children, asthmatic son, Morgan, and daughter, Bo, who has a finicky taste for water. That—that <laughs> That is my favorite part of this. Finicky taste for water. <laughs> Okay, okay, back into it, back into it. You can do this. You got this. (laughs) Six months after the accident, crop circles appear in Graham's cornfield. They initially speculate that local troublemaking youth could be the culprits. However, they learn that theirs is only one of a number of crop circles made simultaneously worldwide. In addition, animals have been acting erratically. Morgan and Bo seem to have a better sense of what is happening than the adults. Based on other evidence, the family slowly begins to believe the crop circles are only one of many signs being sent by extraterrestrials. Dun dun. Not knowing if the extraterrestrials are friendly or not, the Hesses take extreme precautions to protect (laughs) themselves. Graham also begins to believe that nothing that happens is by chance and that everything has a reason. And that Beautiful synopsis is brought to you by uh, a man by the name of Hugo on IMDb.
1: <laughs> wow! So, like, if, like the message board, or he just inserted his own synopsis into like the page where you can do that.
0: There is a yeah, there's a page for plot summaries, and he just this is one that just pops out at you. Everybody else, they're kind of half assing it. Not gonna lie, but this one just really stuck out. So, Hugo, if you're listening to this. Big ups to you, man, because this <laughs> was one of the best synopses I have ever seen on this page. So he's
1: definitely channeling all of the beats of the movie quite effectively.
0: Yeah, he he really is. He he hits all the highs, none of the lows, except for maybe the <laughs> finicky finicky water. But that, <laughs> right, that's fine. Right. That's that's totally fine. Um, so. Rob, where the
1: fuck do we start with this? Like, honestly, like the entire time I was watching this, I was like, there are 10,000 different things we could say about this movie. And of those, I'd say, like, 9,000, like, 700 of them would be bad and, like, 300 would be, like, okay to say. (laughs) Like, just... Okay, so I want to ask you a question. Like, when is the first time you saw this movie?
0: I remember watching it at my sister's uh, house when it came out on, uh, I believe we watched it on VHS. And, yeah, just kicking it back, watching the VHS. I remember uh, my sister is a scaredy cat, so, of course, she jumped every time you saw the aliens, or just like a a random body part of an alien, or some (laughs) alien's chilling on top of your uh, barn or something. She was (laughs) jumping, you know? So I, I believe that was my first real encounter with this movie. Ooh. What pun. about, what about you, Brian? What I was, was your first encounter? I actually saw this in theaters cause I was super excited about the idea
1: of an alien invasion movie like that I could go see on a big screen. Cause until then, like there wasn't really much apart from like independence day that you could get to see on such a grand scale. So I remember being like, like 14 or 15 and like plunking down my money that I was earning as like a soccer referee. Like I was refing kids soccer and, uh, watching the movie and at the end i remember it was the first time i ever felt the desire to like ask for a refund even though i knew i couldn't get it because uh, i watched the entire movie but i
0: felt i felt like i had been taken swindled so by taken do you mean like liam neeson taken or um taken for a ride yeah oh, okay you like know a really like, shitty ride like um are we talking about like uh, a low rate Uber here, or
1: no? Yeah, we're talking city bus. We're talking city bus. Me with my bus pass, uh, going home, super
0: sad, uh, alone and dejected. Uh, that that just that just hit me in the feels, man. That hit me in the feels. <laughs> But
1: I remember like even as a teen, like a teenager and I, I do think that we need to emphasize like there's gonna be a shit ton of spoilers anyways right so but I yeah. think that like the ending to me the last like 50 minutes I was like fuck this like I wanted to get up and leave because I was like this is how we're dealing uh, with the entire movie and the way that like the aliens are defeated. I thought that was a very very shitty way of doing it.
0: Yeah, um, it is the like and this and this is a testament to M. Night Shyamalan himself. He's all about big plot twist, even though there really isn't much plot to this movie at all.
1: No, like, it's waiting around. It literally is waiting around for something to happen for the first 90 minutes or so, right?
0: Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like there's a song. Um, uh, who the heck sings the song? Wait, hold on a second. This yes, is sure. great. This is great <laughs> podcasting. I'm going to get you this information. Um it's, uh, it's a great song if you've never vamping. heard it before uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Graham Parker it's called Waiting for the uh, UFOs but he pronounces it Waiting for the UFOs Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like if you were to compare that song to this movie the song would win out Oh, well, Just firstly, the song's much shorter, right, in theory? Yes, yes. This uh, it's it's about, I, it's under four minutes. Right,
1: versus a two-hour fucking movie that drives you insane for 90 minutes of it.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Here's the thing about this film. A lot of people love the hell out of it. Why? Yeah. Like, why? Like...
1: I- Like I've gone down the the rabbit hole of critiques and like nothing that I've read would sway me even in the slightest that this was uh, um, a good movie. Like, for example, like just from a technical standpoint, there is a shot about 10 minutes into the film. It's a right to left wide shot of the house. Then they they pan over and the camera actually jumps, I guess, because the rail is not set properly. And it's like it's very inept filmmaking.
0: Yes, I agree. This movie hits you over the head with symbolism. Right, like, every second, and like I get that there are better ways of going about it. He's trying to do part Hitchcock and part Spielberg, like yes. he's trying to marry the two, and 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 he doesn't do it. It, it he doesn't pull it off, and like M. Night Shyamalan has this history of just letting people down that is his life goal is to let people down that's what he does i, I mean like i could think of maybe two good m night Shyamalan movies and that's it that's so Sixth Sense. In which one uh i i liked unbreakable i, I, I did too so th- like he like he did those two
1: and i was like this is great you know this is not that bad and then this comes along and it starts like the steady decline for me, right? That kind of bottoms out with 2008s the happening, aka like the best comedy of the year. I don't know, if I, like I I saw it on like a cheapy Tuesday and it was the best because you got to see uh, like large screen Mark Wahlberg look at the wind for like like an hour and a half and freak <laughs> out. It was the most amazing thing. Like you couldn't believe that this was actually a movie that no one laughed at while making.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like the idea is is that Shyamalan's trying to Uh, bring you in by making, like, silence and eerie, subtle noises, like, scary. And the problem is, is that they're not... This is not considered a horror movie. This is considered a thriller, of all things. And there is nothing really scary in, in, in this. Were you ever scared at all like can you recall
1: a moment ever being scared during this movie never and that's the the, I think that's part of the big letdown is that I was expecting like a couple of jump scares I think the only one is the most effective shot in the movie where it's at the end with the uh, alien reflection in the TV I think that was the most effective that got a bit of a jump out of me but apart from that I was never actually like scared scared I was just bored bored
0: yeah yeah Um, just waiting for those UFOs man and like (laughs) I, I like okay so I. Think, why okay, do the aliens give a crap about a family on a farm? Yes. Thank you. So that, what
1: I don't understand is how micro this all gets. Like, why are they invading rural spaces with, like, low body counts? Mm, like, right. what, like, what is... If you're planning on invading Earth, and I don't know how many UFOs or UFOs there are supposed to be out there, but they're not enough to cover, you know, even the most metropolitan areas in the world. So why give a shit about rural Pennsylvania?
0: Yeah, Exactly. What does Bucks County have? Apparently, it has really subpar acting, and it has M. Night Shyamalan starring in or co-starring in his own movie. Yo, okay, so let's. I want to zoom in on the conversation
1: that uh, M. Night Shyamalan, as the vet, I guess he's is he like the vet? I think he's the the, yes, he
0: is the veterinarian.
1: Right. He locks an alien in his home. He gets hurt. He decides to leave. Uh, To go near water because he believes these things don't like water out of, I don't know what the fuck he decides that on. And then he and Mel Gibson kind of trade ways, right? Because he killed his wife and he is remorseful and things. But then he leaves and
0: doesn't really bother to fucking tell Mel Gibson, like, hey, by the way, I've trapped an alien. Yeah, it's just kind of this passing comment. Right as he's like after he started up the vehicle, he's like, oh, don't go in there. I've locked one in the pantry. Like, what? (laughs) What? What? You've locked an alien uh, in your pantry.
1: And I think, like, this is a whole bunch of, like, very illogical kind of ways in which these characters act, right? Because Mel Gibson does that thing where he goes in there with a knife and he pretends he's the cops. Like, how the fuck is an alien going to be like, oh, shit, the police are here. I'd better shape up.
0: Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean that alien is taking out the police. That alien is also getting out of the pantry with ease. Right. <laughs> but then Mel Gibson like like uses the knife,
1: chops his fingers off and then very calmly goes home to talk to his family like the fuck? <laughs> Like why like I don't know if I were you but like if I were faced with an alien presence that I knew to be hostile and I chopped off someone's fingers I'd be like we need to get out of here or do something about it like we're making homemade flamethrowers we might build a molotov cocktail like we're going to do something about this we're not going to barricade our home and sit there which is what they do
0: To me that scene of them boarding up the house it it was missing something and I mean I think it was missing won't back down by tom petty like it needed to be <laughs> you know playing in the background it just <laughs> here's okay i had an idea about this right okay so let's
1: replace uh, won't back down with the disturbed cover of stone cold's breaking glass
0: you know what that that would be oh man that like I, just I imagine
1: would... the montage of like really tight shots of like mel gibson hammering stuff and then joaquin's hammering stuff and then like one of the culkins is hammering stuff and then Abigail breslin's just standing there giving thumbs up
0: yeah yeah, that that is that is amazing. To but no, uh,
1: we we don't get that because this no, is inept filmmaking.
0: This is heavily inept filmmaking. This is symbolism uh, constantly. Um, so I have uh, written down some <laughs> like for me, I just wrote down random phrases that came to me, and I I kind of want to give us a few examples here. One, Mel Gibson cleans up dog pee with paper towel. Get a mop for crying out loud, man. <laughs> See, once again, illogical character decisions. Yeah, you, really, really. It's it's just oh god. Can we also can we also talk about Mel Gibson putting a dog down very, very quickly? Yeah, um that I did make note of that. Um
1: in my too- notes I have fucking animal cruelty. Gibson didn't have to kill that dog so quickly. Damn him.
0: Yeah, too much dog death is what I have on here because <laughs> yes. we get two. Okay. Alien invasion time! You have these aliens are you, you, you're boarding up the house. These aliens are coming to bust it down. You tie up the dog in the barn. What kind of heartless asshole are you? <laughs> like seriously, no.
1: they are really like and and I think that like this is kind of crossing into like a real life territory. But like animals like that are great like canaries in coal mines, right? Like they're great indicators of. of presences around you so why would you one kill one i get it it attacked your child but you yourself right before is like oh i think there might be something up with you know them not necessarily something psychological but something that they're going through
0: yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) this, this movie is just frustrating as fuck i think my favorite line of this movie is there's a monster outside my window. Can I have a glass of water? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And I think you and I discussed this in preparation for this. Like, Abigail Breslin's, like, the only shining star of this movie. Of the entire fucking thing, she's the only one that you're like, yes, I want you to survive this.
0: Exactly. She's the one that's that's thinking that She's she's got the plan. She doesn't even realize she has the plan. She's no, that brilliant. Yeah. You know? Water is, like... Hammered at you and thrown at you from the beginning, like it's like that's one of the quote unquote signs that you see everywhere is water, 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 water. water. Like, thank you, young lady, for never finishing a glass of water. <laughs> The, uh, so that's
1: that's the big plot hole that bothered, I think, me and most rational human beings, right? So these aliens who are advanced enough to visit other worlds can't even determine if there's moisture in our atmosphere or if water's going to hurt them. Dude, one rainfall and this invasion's over.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, like, one
1: friggin' rainfall, that's it.
0: It's like that weak crap that War of the Worlds started, you know, with <laughs> with this goddamn bird flu. Um, right. It's just it's horrendous, and... Here's the thing and, and and this is a thought that I had while watching the the best scene of the movie is uh the the uh what we call the birthday party scene yes, the only uh, and
1: that's the thing is all of the found footagey kind of stuff is the best part of this movie
0: yeah it, it, it really is like the the uFO the the lights in the sky I, I I love that footage um but the birthday party the thing about it is is like what do you notice about the weather outside? It's kind of cloudy. Yeah. You think it's about to rain, don't you? Because, like, (laughs) the wind is whipping, and all of a sudden we go to this, like, narrow alleyway uh, between the house, and you see this, like, the thing is, is, like, if you look for a while, that alien's just hanging out there for, like, a few seconds before it walks off. Like, I think those leaves are wet. I'm pretty confident those leaves are wet. Why is that thing not
1: holding its shoulder? Why? Yeah, like it it moves without consequence. Yeah, which is just another illogical sign and character development scene. But like, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense.
0: We're 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 talking about big old buckets that don't make sense right now. Um, And what was the purpose of the crop circles? Joaquin Phoenix says that it's like kind of like a what, like a marker or something. Yeah, he's like it's a it's kind of instructions for them. But it doesn't like they need to get to Earth first before anything else. They don't see any like lights in the sky, which is which I find weird. They just find aliens in their field. Right. Yes. Okay, that's the other thing too is that like of all of these uh, congregating
1: lights, you don't see one of them, you just get like the the runt of the pack. Like that's what you you're dealing with
0: here. It's not like anybody's reporting these lights anywhere in the area because our weird cop friend that just shows up randomly all the time, she would tell us that, oh, hey, they, we, we, we've seen UFOs all over the place, but no, it's just dogs acting erratically, and uh, we're, we're, we're talking crop circles.
1: And then suddenly, like, alien invasion, alien locked up in a pantry, alien in your house, alien uh, uh, injecting poison into your son's face.
0: Yes, and it's a, it's a crying shame. Mel Gibson, you failed as a parent I just <laughs> yeah. in this movie. I just I just want to get that out of the way. One of my absolute favorite lines, and I think it's just because of how unconvincingly it's delivered, Mel Gibson with the ever so classic, I'm insane with anger as he's running outside <laughs> trying to find the oh, hoodlums. Oh, right, when him and, and his
1: brother are like running in a circle trying to catch them?
0: Yes. Because there's another there's another sign that they're throwing at you circles right. circles all over the place.
1: So I think fundamentally, and this is something I wanted to bring up before, is that I think M9 Shyamalan thinks he's a much better uh, storyteller than he actually is. He thinks he's more intelligent than he is because it's this weird kind of as you were saying before, this like weird mishmash of like a home like a home invasion movie, but an alien invasion movie and like a weird suspenseful thriller. And it doesn't actually work on any level. No. So I think like the ingredients of a good movie were there, but I think clunky filmmaking, like really bad, like angles and just the, the lack of utter real suspense uh, for me, because I was just getting bored the entire time I was watching, especially the second time when I knew how it ended, I was just waiting for things to unfold.
0: And they didn't, they, no. they just they, no. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the worst plot twist for a movie ever too, it's I mean the, the most whole water thing is, plot yeah. twist. Yeah, it's it's oh god. Um, so with that
1: in mind i would like to read so uh, my fiance watch this with me because we live in a a smaller apartment and sometimes uh you know if i'm watching a movie she'll sit with me and and when i was mentioning i was watching Signs, she's like i haven't seen that since it was in theaters like let me watch this with you and so she's prepared a statement if i can read that if that's okay uh
0: yes i think that i think it's well deserved as you she's she really subjected herself to this but (laughs) you know what I'm going to levy some of the blame onto
1: myself. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so these are these are my fiance Stephanie's observations. So this is written in the first person from her. So keep that in mind. It's not me, it's her. Mm-hmm. The movie Signs was boring. If you've already seen the movie, you already know it's boring. When I first saw it in the theater, at least, I didn't know what would happen. So it kept you hanging on for a while. So first of all, there's no story. There's no actual story. There's a morality tale about man questioning God, shoehorned into the story with his family dealing with aliens. And they're not even dealing with it properly. Signs made the concept of aliens boring. The director actually made aliens boring. The only saving grace is that the kids are cute, but any of the plot threads fall flat. If you cut out the minute and a half that the aliens are in the movie, then all you get is a boring morality tale. If you made an alienless movie trailer, all you have is a movie about an ex-minister who finds God in his child's asthma episode and deals with the aftermath of his wife's death. It's kind of like an episode of Full House. (laughs) Danny Tanner, (laughs) a.k.a. Sugar Tits Gibson, comes home and says, oh, we miss the mom. And Joaquin Phoenix is Uncle Jesse, except with, like, worse hair. Forget about Uncle Joey. Um, She and I had a debate whether or not Uncle Joey was, like, the cop. Because the Um, cop is, like, annoying and shows up. Yeah. yeah. So so she continues, Abigail Breslin is Michelle. And the Culkin sibling is DJ and Stephanie put together. Basically, (laughs) the alien is Kimmy Gibbler you know showing up in some episodes sort of annoying everyone and you know just to get her to, to leave they chop off her fingers <laughs> i'm convinced that m9 shamalan had another idea for a movie and looked in this and was like i'm gonna throw some aliens in here but it didn't work i think the worst part about Signs is the first time you watch it you're hoping that it's gonna turn out great but then the twist is that the aliens have a water allergy and all this research to come to earth to claim it and they can't even figure out that the planet is full of water it felt very painful during the second viewing
0: This is the best (laughs) analysis of signs that I've ever heard. I love the
1: full house part because as she was talking about this, I was like, I think she might be right. I think she actually might be right about all this.
0: I'm a converted believer. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But she brings up something we haven't really talked about, which is like the morality tale about a man losing faith. Right. And M. Night Shyamalan, one of his things is that like uh, he was saying the scariest thing in the film is that. And this is a direct quote is that a good man could lose his connection with God.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. Mel Gibson's character, you know, rediscovers his connection to God through an improper understanding of how asthma works. (laughs) Could you explain how asthma
1: works to to Sugar Tits Gibson, please? (laughs)
0: Let's just say, to, you know, aid in opening up the lungs... They give asthma patients inhalers. He did not have access to an inhaler for hours. Yeah. Hours hours at a time. So how did he survive this asthma attack? Mel Gibson just walked him through it like he knew what was going on. Like he had asthma
1: himself. It was kind of amazing. Like this kid's unconscious for hours at a time, right? Because they're like hiding away and they, they leave, and mm-hmm. like he's outside, and then like the they're in the house, and the alien snatches him, and and like, what? How the fuck does that even work? I feel like the basic tenets of like science have like been disregarded. Like if you pretend that this movie doesn't understand science, suddenly the movie's great.
0: Yeah, it's it, it, it's a problem. It's a, it's a real problem. Praying that his lungs were closed, the poison didn't get in. I don't think that helps either. Also, like,
1: okay, so the alien grabs him, right, and he injects the poison into his nostrils, presumably. Wouldn't there be remains of the poison? Yeah. So as soon as he starts breathing, he would just, like,
0: sort of, like, inhale what's already there? Yeah. That, to me, means that kid's just dying. He's, he's just dying. And you know what? If that kid dies... Mel Gibson doesn't rediscover his faith. He's not going to become a priest at the end of this movie. You know what he's going to become? An alien hunter. That's what he's going to (laughs) become. And then, you know what? It would have
1: been a better movie. That's such a better movie and a better sequel. Like, he just, like, the last thing he does in the movie before it cuts to black is him loading, like, two barrels of a shotgun.
0: He's making friends with friendly aliens, and he's going (laughs) on board their UFOs, and they're hunting down some aliens, man. That's how it's got to happen. I'm writing the best sequel to a shitty movie
1: dude just right take now. the script and just rewrite the third act honestly like that's all you need to do because i think that like honestly the payoff is so not there and that's what i mean when i say that emily chamelan thinks he's smarter than he is because he thinks in hiding all of these clues about water and things like that like Bo, like leaving water all over the house and then like in this like climactic fight like the, uh, like a glass spills and the alien gets burned like oh yeah i, I sure sowed those seeds everyone <laughs> like what oh like, yeah I, it's yeah. very lazy. And like and the thing is like I feel like the sixth sense really emboldened him to try and do these sort of like weird twists. But the thing is that, like the sixth sense, it was right there in front of you the whole time. And I think he equated the idea of that with like the water. Like if I put water in a lot of these frames, people will click. And if I tell people as my own character that I'm gonna go away because I think water scares them, then like I'm giving them more proof.
0: Okay, if you're a writer and you put symbolism in your book, you don't hammer people over the head with it. No, like, no, that, that that does not lead to a profound discovery of what you're trying to get across
1: that or like if you're like, hey, Rob, I hear like, you know, like the whole idea is you're allergic to artichokes and then like I'm putting artichokes in like symbolism everywhere. And then suddenly in the, during the climactic scene, I feed you artichokes.
0: Yeah. And then I will refer to you as Dante for the rest of your <laughs> life, you know. <laughs>
1: it's just like the payoff isn't there. And I don't think that. And that's what I think is that he, he in his mind, I guess, views it as like a really, really like a good way of um, explaining things away. But really it's, it's a piss poor kind of thing because it kind of ignores, as I was saying, like basic science, like moisture in the air should hurt them. Yes. So at night, if it's, if it's coming off the, off the ground as it does sometimes during the summer and in the fall, then like that should affect them fundamentally. Like that should collapse their little alien lungs.
0: It really should. And, it shouldn't, it shouldn't make us just angry, goddammit. No. Like, <laughs> Something that really pissed me off, too,
1: is during that sort of third act, when they have the TV on, they're like, we've defeated the aliens, they never fucking mention how to defeat the aliens.
0: No, never. Like,
1: they don't even give the people of Earth any sort of, like, direction in a very uh, moments of imminent danger.
0: No, they don't, and just goes to show you how our government lets us down every time when it comes to <laughs> UFOs and aliens, and they're just dropping the ball left and right. Yo, okay. So speaking of the government, what is the deal with that scene with the army recruiter? I don't, I don't know. I, I will tell you, there was a. Uh, let me bring it up on the on the interwebs here because I stumbled across this gem earlier today, and it. It pertains to Roger Ebert's review of this film. Um, (sighs) Brian, can you tell the audience how many stars he gave this movie?
1: He gave... Rob, I can't... Fuck you. Four (laughs) out of five. Yeah. Four out of five stars.
0: Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Roger Ebert can make any shitty movie sound eloquent and elegant and, and anything you can think of, but... One thing that I found in his post on his website for the review in the comment section is
1: <laughs> Yes, the best part of any website.
0: Yes. Um, there is a woman named Laura Fellomini. She writes, quote, such an excellent review. Underneath <laughs> it is a comment from Thomas F. Sutton, the man that played the Army recruiter. No. Yes. And, no. it's, and it says, I played the army recruiter in Signs. <laughs> I, I had only seen the headline of Roger Ebert's review where he called it a perfect movie, in quotes. Don't know why it took me 13 years to read it. Maybe because it does not mention me, but that's okay. <laughs> Enough critics t- did to get me an invitation to hollywood where i've had a good 13 year run i miss roger ebert and always watched his at the movies tv program wow (laughs) wow
1: (laughs) so you just said that he did not read the review but also because it didn't mention him but he would have had to read the review in order to see whether or not it mentioned him right (laughs) Like, right. That, that's a Right, it, well, right he there. says
0: it took him 13 years to right. read it. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think he, like, control Fs, like, signs reviews and, like, just looks for them and comments on them? Like, I it's, like, think a hobby?
0: He, maybe, but, like, I think the thing is here, he's trying to make a parallel to the 13 years it took him to read this review to the 13-year run that he's had in <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> do you remember him in anything else? No, I do no, not remember no. Mr. Thomas F. Sutton in anything else. So can you... So th- this oh, this whoa, 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 oh, whoa. Does it get whoa, better? We do, we do. Oh. <laughs> there is a response to Mr. No. Sutton's comment from a a gentleman named Mr. Movies. Oh, great. The actor was Ted Sutton,
1: not Thomas? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. We're going down the rabbit hole here. This is some Men in Black shit. This is, this is disinfo at its core on RogerEbert.com. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It is disinformation in a movie about aliens. What better could you ask for? Seriously, go on over to Rogerebert.com. Check out the review for science. Go into that comment section. So
1: why do you think it's actually him? Let's start with that one.
0: You know what? I I, I believe. You know, okay. um I believe it you was. You want him. to believe. No no no, no. Fuck fuck the X Files right now. I believe, <laughs> sir. I believe. <laughs>
1: I'm really glad to hear this that is an amazing find by the way Um, (laughs) but what I don't get about the army recruiter scene is like he does all this exposition like he's a member of the army why is he volunteering info like that
0: I believe it's to feed into the idea that like you know it's an alien invasion who gives a shit. Like, right, like you're so unhinged that you you just don't care anymore. But the the thing is, is like you still need the security of a job, so you're still recruiting, <laughs> <laughs> just in this like very
1: desperate time, knowing you have no weapons against the aliens. And there's two men in there, right? Because there's the Joaquin Phoenix character, and then the guy who mentions how Meryl just swings at everything, which I thought was really greatly shoehorned and not subtle at all to point out that how much he um, tries too hard. Yeah. Also, speaking of... It's a less-than-subtle dig, let's just... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of swinging away, though, um, so uh, we find out that Mel Gibson's wife dies, right, in this weird accident where she gets pinned to a tree uh, that uh, M. Light Shyamalan's character was, like, driving and, like, hit her. Um, It's late at night. She mentions the fact that she is taking a walk before supper, but it's clearly after dark, and this accident just happened. What time does this family eat at?
0: I'm wondering how early does it get dark there? Like, like really? Right. It doesn't look like winter. We're not in the dead of it, and yet it's like, it looks like it's like 10 o'clock at night.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, these are corn crops, right? And they're coming sort of like uh, to maturity, so I assume it's like late summer, early fall. Max, max.
0: Yeah, and I've got a question for you. Oh, um, okay. M. Night Shyamalan's character, when he, when he finally talks to Mel Gibson when he's uh, uh, telling him about the alien that he has in his pantry. He says that he never falls asleep at the wheel except for this <laughs> 10 to 15 seconds.
1: Right.
0: How much like, of was- an asshole is M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is that
1: like I'm willing to believe like because he says, like, I'm so tired of work so much and then he's like, I never fall asleep except this one
0: time and then your wife died. I'm sorry. I think <laughs> him being the linchpin for this I think he's justifying the hatred that he he wants people to have for this film, and he's and he's trying to embolden it in himself. Oh, he's weaponizing what's going on. Yeah, he he okay. is okay. weaponizing what is going on. It's it's all his fault. Well, everything <laughs> everything is really his fault. <laughs> yeah, it, and and I think he's trying to drive home that point. So, um, literally drive home. Yes, literally. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> that was. You kind of walked into that one yourself. I, I, I drove into it, let's be
1: honest. <laughs> uh, luckily, you have killed no one with this. Uh, so congrats to you for being a functional adult who doesn't fall asleep at the wheel.
0: Um okay, it pays so, to not drive. For- <laughs> <laughs>
1: so as Mel Gibson's wife is dying, her last words were, tell Meryl, the Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> character, to swing away. You decide that your last words will be about your brother-in-law?
0: Is there an extra, like, marital affair going on here? You know, I'm wondering. I, I, I really am wondering at this point because it just does not make sense. And they're like, during the film, they're kind of like, well, oh, she was delusional. It didn't make sense. And then they're trying to make it seem like it's a goddamn prophecy. Right. Bullshit. Right. She is not Nostradamus of the tree. I'm sorry. She's not <laughs> Nostradamus of... Like, severed in half, this is not how it works.
1: No, there's no, like, there's no quatrain that says, you know, Meryl, swing wave with the bat and kill the alien, or hurt him.
0: Now all I can think of is of her saying quatrains, you know, <laughs> and then just, like, poorly translating them.
1: My favorite, like, so I picked out, like, two or three quotes uh, that were my favorites, because they were delivered so badly by Mel Gibson. One of them is, "There is no, there is no one looking out for us, we are all alone. I do not believe that one. Also, um, during that really, really tense supper, um, they're like, uh, he says, like, everybody in this family needs to just calm down and eat some fruit or something. Like, what? (laughs) Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, literally, they board up the house and they're trying to eat, and all you can think about is, like, making sure your family gets their vitamin C? Like, no,
0: no. I have a serious question. How pissed off do you think Mel Gibson was that he had to do all those dishes after this whole thing was over.
1: <laughs> oh, he was pretty pissed. He was he was imminently pissed. Yeah. Like, if, exceptionally so.
0: Yeah. The feebleness of these aliens really does piss me off. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, the fact that they c- apparently can't handle like boards over a window, they can't handle pantry doors, they're wholly uneducated about water. On a planet where 75% of it is water, I'm... I'm angry about that. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> you're seething. I, I, I am. Like,
1: let me. Okay, so let me play like devil's advocate, right? Because I've, I've read a bunch of reviews that about how positive this movie is, and they're saying like, you know, the aliens aren't really warlike, which is why they don't have like weapons with them. Like, but yet you're planning an alien invasion of a planet. Like, you have to be armed to some capacity here.
0: You really do. You're coming to Earth in goddamn spaceships. <laughs> why the fuck would you not be prepared? Why the fuck? Is this arrogance on their part just coming down there assuming that there are no like really poorly erected barriers that realistically I think any human being would be able to take down?
1: Yeah, absolutely. With a little bit of force. So this is something that leads me to another point is these aliens can camouflage themselves. Why don't they just do that all the time? Observe how Earth moves and then do something about it.
0: That would only make sense, Brian. Why well, you
1: gotta bring the fucking hammer down right from the beginning and they get chased away by rainfall?
0: Yes, and also, according to the UFO book, um, they are <laughs> vegetarians. We all need a copy of. Yeah, what? they're vegetarians, right. How does that make sense? If, okay, there was one reviewer that I shared a video of with you, and it's the whole reason that this reviewer is into films to begin with. I'm not gonna name names here. But he talks about how they were not coming to invade the planet, but harvest us. But yet we're led to believe that they're vegetarians. What what is that They're here to steal your corn stalks, not you. Uh, Yeah. Like, I would expect those aliens to knock on the door and say, listen, yo, I need that corn. I need that corn, dog. Dog, (laughs) give me that corn.
1: If they needed it so badly, why didn't they just wait till the night and steal it? You know... That would make sense, Brian. And It, it would. <laughs> we're not about making sense in no. this movie. No. Like we've said, we've disregarded science as a basic tenet of anything that happens in this movie, right? So, like, pretending that <laughs> science doesn't exist, reason now we're throwing it out, right? So that doesn't exist either, because if they were desperate... And, like, why...
0: Where is he getting this from? Oh. His mind hole? Uh, yeah, Probably. Here's the thing. I don't think M. Night Shyamalan understands crop circles, because if he did, he would know they, they were in wheat fields, not cornfields.
1: Well, he said that he decided to pick cornfields because they're more visually distinctive, apparently, um, which is uh, bullshit. And yeah, he um, should recognize- I, think,
0: I think England has some shit to raise with these people. <laughs> Wait, are you dropping more facts here on this script? You know what? It has to be done. It just, it just has to be done. Like, I don't care if crop circles are fake, but at least I know the material that they occur in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, it, wheat fields could
1: look great if, because the thing, too, is that he decided to shoot around, I think it was Philadelphia, right? So, he had to find a crop to grow that would grow around there, that would grow well. So, and he you, picked corn. And the
0: only thing that g- grows in America is fucking corn. Jesus Christ. man <laughs>
1: Uh, 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 i'm I'm getting worked up again i'm sweating again this is (laughs) fucking bad it's just the the uh, the only shining star as we said before is abigail breslin right and she does such a good job with what's given to her that i am just i'm glad she made a career because this was her first movie right so i'm glad that she managed to make a career out of this because everyone else kind of the movie exists but no one's like
0: putting this as top billing Right, right. Well, um, except for maybe M why, Night Shyamalan. Why is it that M Night Shyamalan always uses children as teachers for the adults? Ooh, that's a good one. I, I, oh, shit. That's a good question. Like it, it's like in every movie, in, in just about every movie that he does. In the first three movies, for sure, it's yeah. always the children that are teaching the adults, and it's a, a tired trope by this time. You know? Well,
1: didn't he also do like After Earth, like the Will Smith, the Jane Smith movie, where like he, uh, like Jane delivers some great lines in there about the way the world is going.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I do believe so. Apparently, the children are our future, but <laughs> um, I don't think that's what they meant when no, they when they no, coined no. that phrase. So, I I just st- don't get it. Sticking to M Night Shyamalan, according to him. <laughs>
1: I can't believe I'm about to say this. The movie's title has two meanings. Did you know that one is one is the the crop signs, not even circles, but it is also about faith in the existence of signs from above. Fucking multi layers here, dude. We're playing with levels.
0: You can't antiquate aliens and God at the same time. No, unless, and that's the thing. Unless you're like, okay, they're not even acknowledging that like God would have had to create these aliens too. So the interesting thing is, like,
1: post this, I actually had that discussion with my fiance about like whether or not that was a a thing, like the idea of existence includes extraterrestrials, like in God's plan or not.
0: I don't even think that would have been thought of in two thousand two. Oh no, like like, people think that that now. Like the Vatican's, like, let's embrace our space brothers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like well, I feel like
1: they need their numbers to go up. So whatever they can do, even you know off world, they're going to do.
0: So I guess the question comes back to: Was Richard Doty behind this at all? <laughs> so do you think that like he like so like
1: seventy five percent of this crypto is done, and like he just slides it over to M Night, and M like, yeah, this this could work, dude. This could this could definitely work. <laughs> And he just like he finished it off, and then, like ab- above and beyond that, he's like, "Yo, there's there's a role for me in this movie, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna play the man who killed Mel Gibson's wife. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm gonna really drive that plot home."
0: I think we've just broken open the conspiracy (laughs) here and uh i think we've uh was
1: science funded by the cia
0: yeah we we need uh, a full investigation i'm gonna be filling out some FOIA requests uh, dude. like
1: Stephen green needs to get on this like fuck real disclosure he needs to get on like like this this is real disclosure to me
0: you need to make yourself useful get on this train right here yeah because it's going to give us what we need. Period. <laughs> period.
1: You need to break this conspiracy wide open because no one else will because uh, do you feel I don't know like I was just thinking about this the other day but how do you maybe believe um, that this was some people's like first exposure to the like extraterrestrial hypothesis at all?
0: It, it very well could be I one of the first things that I wrote down this movie sucks ETH dick. <laughs>
1: Because, like, in watching this, and, like, it did pretty well at the box office, right? So in watching this, I was like, so many people must have been like, this is my first, like, exposure to aliens, and aliens are fucking dumb. They Earth really rules. are.
0: They they really are, and yet, if one were to look at uh, the body of evidence that we have, they would realize that aliens aren't dumb. They're, they seem to be pretty smart. Question for you,
1: then. Is this uh, disinformation of another variety? Is this like a way in which the government has suggested through M Night Shyamalan that like the alien threat uh, is a, a comical farcical thing to worry about?
0: I think I'm gonna go a step beyond and say this is alien slander. It really is. Ooh,
1: like they need a good like galactic lawyer.
0: Yeah, they do. They they really <laughs> do. Uh, whoever's in exopolitics in the United States is going to should have had a field day on their hands. You know? Oh, for sure, yeah. definitely. Like, yeah. Just
1: imagine the court filings on that
0: one. I want to know, and we may need a hacker. Um, if there's any hackers out there that can get us these documents, because Lord knows whatever cosmic court that this was uh, seen in, we need access. We need we need the files. I mean, is this why wouldn't this be disclosed to the public? I mean, come on.
1: I do believe that like this is a way in which we are conditioning the public to
0: view aliens: That changes over time, though. There isn't just, like, one person that controls the perception, at least, that that I see. Because, I mean, we go back and forth. Look at the day the Earth stood still. It's not all death and destruction, although there's a little bit of that, only because we fucked up and we shouldn't have, you know, been hostile. But at the same time... That movie has to be about Valiant Thor. There's no other way that that movie is not about Valiant Thor. For sure. (laughs) For sure. I mean, like, as a centerpiece, it has to be. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But, like, for for You go from that to
1: close encounters of the third kind which is more of a nuanced approach right yes to this sledgehammer approach right so i feel like if we're beaming this out into the universe it's kind of like they get angry about the the day they're still to they get placated by you know close encounters and then like the, we send out signs out into the universe and like they're they're pissed they're they're coming it's just it's yeah. delayed right because like it, it takes a, a while for radio signals to reach the, the cosmos right so maybe they're only getting signs now and they're they're gearing up
0: they're renting this on whatever alien video service that they have. I mean, it'd be cool if they just had, like, uh, Netflix and Hulu and whatever. Um, I feel justified totally in bashing this film because I paid three ninety nine to watch it. So, um, <laughs> I hope if there isn't alien legal action that has occurred, I hope it's down the line. And I hope that... M. Night Shyamalan is going to pay the price. I hope Richard Doty was behind it so that he'll have to pay the price.
1: Dude, I would love if there was a global tribunal and this is like the centerpiece of it. Yeah. Just yeah. really just inept, shitty filmmaking that causes an intergalactic war. Like, that's like the worst case scenario, but also the best case scenario.
0: I, I, I have, agree.
1: I have written down something that I want to go through with you. So, I have written down um, pertinent releases uh, from August 2002 that came out alongside Signs. And I wanted to ask you, like, Like, pretend you're a teen with, like, ten bucks in your hand, and you're going to see one of the following movies. I want you to pick one of them, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. So, in August 2002, we had Dina Kirby's Master of Disguise. Mm Mm-hmm. We had Triple X, starring Vin Diesel. Yep. We had Spy Kids 2, uh, One Hour Photo, starring Robin Williams. I don't know if you ever saw that. Great movie. Everyone should go see that instead of this. Mm -hmm. The The Adventures of Pluto Nash, another sort of intergalactic movie starring Eddie Murphy. And finally, Super Troopers.
0: I would have gone to see Super Troopers, for sure. Okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, like, I would have gone to see most of these movies over signs, knowing what I know now as an adult. Like, like Master of Disguise, I think the saving grace is that it has a very short run time. I think it's like 80 or 85 minutes, so perfect for that. Like, Triple X, I you gotta love explosions. Um, Spy Kids 2, well done. Uh, Super Troopers, a Stone Cold classic. The Avengers of Pluto Nash probably not one to go see. One hour photo, I definitely would go see.
0: To add to this, do you know what the highest grossing movie of 2002 was? I don't. Is it this? God, I hope it's not this. No, it is not this. This oh, this uh, was number six. <laughs> uh, it grossed $227.97 <sighs> <sighs> million. Okay. The number one grossing film of the year, Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. Now, do you know what the number eight? highest grossing film of the year was think 2002 we're in a similar theme of aliens
1: i'm drawing a blank right now i'm not even gonna lie to you i'm not even gonna try and bullshit you on this one
0: (laughs) men in black 2 no really this did better than men in black 2 uh yes it did um uh, men in black 2 grossed 190.42 million dollars We'll go over the top ten films of... Let's do it. ...2002. Um, of course, number one, Spider-Man. Uh, number two, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, number three, Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones. All right. Uh, you know, just another classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Number five my big fat Greek wedding which came out on the same day as signs yes yes it did uh number six signs number seven Austin Powers in Goldmember.
1: wow this is really of its time dude this is a perfect snapshot of like that period of time
0: it is it it, it really is um number eight men in black two uh number nine ice age (laughs) (laughs) and number ten Chicago wow
1: that is a mixed grab bag of emotions for me
0: yes um so uh t- t- i have another game here <laughs> <laughs> because you love torturing me I, I do i do, I, I do, do right, love do i do love uh, you, torturing you, you you forced
1: me to watch a movie you forced me to talk about it and now we're playing games and i'm yes. very scared where this is going
0: okay as an actor what is mel gibson's highest grossing film so the thing is, I know this one because I looked it up, and it's actually Signs, right? <laughs> it is Signs. <science. laughs> it is Signs. Um, I'm going to tell you that every actor in this movie, the highest grossing film of their career, is Signs. No. From Mel Gibson to Joaquin Phoenix to Abigail Breslin to Fuck. Rory Culkin to that's Sherry bad. Jones. Signs. That's, that's really bad, dude. It, it, it really is. Um, do you know what Mel Gibson's highest-grossing film as a director was? Uh, is it Passion of the Christ? It is Passion of the Christ at
1: three hundred and sixty-one million dollars. Also, you forgot to mention uh, T- Ted Sutton's career—the highest-grossing movie. <laughs> How dare you forget Ted or Thomas? I, we Sutton. are
0: we are embroiled in a conspiracy. <laughs> we can't. Uh, we don't. We don't know what we don't know. Um, right, as, of as Donald Rumsfeld would say. <laughs>
1: how but like oh dude like how is oh. is there a refund program going on here that's what i want to know a retroactive refund program i if think you've been burned by like three of these movies like here's your money
0: you'll get a definitive answer once we figure out in the movie if douchebag is a curse or not right <laughs> uh where do you land on this
1: Sorry, not as a man of a, of the cloth necessarily, as you know, the pharmacist's assistant asks Mel Gibson, but like as a human being.
0: You know, I, I, I whew, that's a, that's a tough one. I would say yes. I would just say yes. I, I, I think once once it becomes, you know, uh, transcends from being an object to a descriptor. Yes. I think I, I think one hundred percent it is a curse. I am sure.
1: dealing with a budding linguist here, and I agree with you. Yes. Yes. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is actually like something that I deal with right in this apartment. I live in a, in a tinier apartment and uh, my fiance keeps leaving water bottles around and I used to hate it. But in light of this, I don't mind it.
0: Are you just praying that the grays just don't like they, they have a water problem? Yes, absolutely. Also, what I'm noticing is that
1: I, there are no crops being grown near me. Right. So that's kind of a deterrent. Uh, to them visiting me, but should they ever decide to, there's a myriad number of water bottles just hanging around the apartment, just waiting um, for an alien who doesn't understand Earth to come by and try to harass me.
0: I really hope that you don't do something stupid like just swinging a bat at the glasses and breaking the glasses and hoping the water splashes on the alien. Dude,
1: swing away, Meryl. Swing away.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm gonna say splash away. Splash away, Brian. (laughs) Uh,
1: There's a movie that I remember watching a couple years ago that does this a sort of theme a lot better on a micro budget Have you ever heard of the movie Monsters uh, Starring Scoot McNeary No no okay. I haven't So it's a 2010 movie and like these aliens um, Or an alien virus like crash lands And it creates this like world of, of monsters And Scoot McNeary is paid by his employer to go find The employer's daughter And um, so they like they, they traverse through things And like they deal with like morality problems And I feel it's a much better way of Of uh, dealing with aliens, because they don't really show the aliens and the monsters all that much. Whereas here in the last, like, I'd say, like 10 minutes, you see that horrible fucking CGI alien of like that weird period of time where they were transitioning out of like uh, practical effects into CGI and it just looks really shitty.
0: Uh, You know, goddamn CGI aliens, man. But, But it's
1: like that weird period of time in the early 2000s where they're like, yes, we have computers, we can do these amazing things, and then everything looked fucking shitty.
0: Yeah, it really did. To me, this is a movie that in the hands of another competent director would probably flourish with like the budget that it had. Like what did like I want to wait. I need to figure out what kind of budget this movie had. Because no, like it, it was in the hundreds of millions, I think. Like why would the, like that's got to be for the actors. That definitely isn't for the special effects or anything. Well, you got to grow all those crops somehow
1: and it's it was 40 acres of crops, too. Yeah, but those crop circles were real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because he hated practical effects. Yet in some of those alien shots, they're definitely CGI.
0: For sure, but was it like a, a person in like a green screen suit, kind of like you know they had the, they had a Gollum, like around that time? Like, well, so I feel like there's a mixture of like
1: practical effects, like people in monster suits, like especially with the hand. You know that that scene where. Uh, like the Culkins being held, and he shoots the poison in. I feel like that's a uh, practical effect, like that's someone there. But I feel like some of it is totally wholly CGI created.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and it just makes me sad. Okay, so the one of the questions here is, what alien based movie, be on, uh, after this, would you qu- would you quantify as good? Because I don't think there are many of them so do you mean alien in terms of like alien invasion or just alien in general alien in general oh that's a good one there are two that come to mind for me i have i have one in mind and another
1: interesting one um but i'm curious to see to hear yours first
0: the first one that i would go to right away is district Nine.
1: Ooh, yeah that's a great one that's a good
0: choice Every single member of my family hates that freaking movie, and I'm like, "What is it there to love about that movie?" It is—it's it, a unique premise, and the guy that was also in the A Team—I forget who. Oh, right—the um, the South African actor. Yeah, was amazing in that movie. Uh, just an amazingly well done movie. My second pick would have to be Under the Skin.
1: Oh, that's another great one.
0: Mm-hmm. And the thing about Under the Skin is like it's an alien movie without you realizing it's an alien movie. Right. That That's a very, very good
1: one. Actually, I've now that I've had a minute to think about it, I have a couple here, so I'm going to walk you through them. Um, uh, Starman, starring Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Alien Romance, love it. Uh, a movie, another movie that I feel did this kind of premise a lot more effectively is Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes, yes. Um, so, spoiler alert, I think if anyone hasn't seen it yet, um, you know, uh, so the main character struggles to get out of John Goodman's bunker and then she does and then, only to realize that, like, the, the, like, the world's being invaded, and it's, it's very tense and well done, I feel, um, and it's much more effective. For sure. And For then the third, sure. One, the third one I want to pick is actually something kind of uh, interesting. Um, so there's this anthology movie. movies called the VHS Anthology, and then the second one, they, the last segment is called Slumber Party Alien Abduction, and it's shot on GoPros, but it's the most effective alien abduction I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing.
0: Really, it's, it's that good
1: yes i i showed it to my co-host on double dancing Angel and he flipped out he's like this is actually like really really good and it's only like 15 or 20 minutes and it's done so effectively and in the moment and it makes you actually feel as though like the abduction were imminent and i feel like that's a much better way of handling it than um there's an alien on my roof but he shouldn't be there
0: yeah just that freaking alien man it just pisses me off <laughs> Uh, also,
1: uh, uh, so should we shout out like bad movies that we don't want people to watch involving aliens at all? Because, like for for example, like like Avatar, fuck off.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: Avatar definitely uh, should not be there. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There's. Uh, have you ever heard of the movie? No, this is actually kind of a good one. Uh, it's a low budget movie called ExtrO from the '80s, where a uh, an alien sires a child and comes back for it years later. No, I have not. Okay. Uh, that is definitely something. It's super low budget. If you can find it, I feel like you'd actually get a kick of how, how bad it is. Um, just like on an objective basis.
0: I, I'm going to have to go check that out.
1: Definitely. Have you ever heard of the movie Laser Blast? Yes, I have. Okay. 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 So this is like Charles Bann, right? Like, like yeah. uh, Empire, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he does like full moon pictures. And this is one of his early releases. And it's just a god awful movie. Uh, about a kid, a loner who discovers an alien laser cannon and just it the effects are shitty, everything's just really, really bad about it <laughs> just like uh, don't
0: that that's amazing um I think um to add to it, uh the movie progeny, oh uh, yeah, that the aliens in that movie are bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, bullshit they're not like. And 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 also, I the worst aliens I have ever seen on screen. Worst communion thing, communion. Oh yes, they yes. are god awful because they are just marionettes, and you can tell they're marionettes. They're just like <laughs> they're just like suspending them from the ceiling. Like the only ones that aren't are the short little blue ones that just you know do most of the work, while the other ones just you know hover around and do whatever the fuck they want, which is nothing. Right. Uh,
1: uh, for me, one of the the bigger ones of my childhood, uh, Mac and Me.
0: Mm, Mac and Me. Including
1: the the dance number inside of the McDonald's. Yes, yes. Oh, God. And there's also that other movie, like uh, like Key? Yes, Nuki, That's what it is, Um, Mm. which is kind of like another uh, takeoff uh, or send-up, I guess, or like cash grab um, in the wake of E.T.
0: Yeah. So, in terms of the alien abduction type films... Are right. there any good ones? Uh, definitely the VHS2, like,
1: vignette, I think, definitely stands up there. Um, But in terms of abduction,
0: movies that, like, work well, um, there aren't that many when you really sit down and try to think about it, right? Like, Fire in the Sky works not because of the abduction, but because of what the other people are going right. through. Like, uh, that's, that's the whole driving force of that.
1: Um... Uh, Mars Attacks I guess Might be considered An alien abduction movie Like what happens To Pierce Brosnan right Like he gets abducted Yeah nobody- But oh. I feel like It's more of a jokey Kind of thing So I don't know If that
0: works or not But I I always remember Like when I was uh, I, I'm trying to remember How old I was When that movie came out I, They freaked me out Those damn aliens man
1: They were That is a well done Version of CGI Yes Really well done. Version. Oh, you know what's a really effective one, actually? The UFO abduction, the, the Dean Auto one.
0: Yeah, the Dean... Dina- yes, absolutely.
1: The, um, uh, the first, first one. I don't know if you ever saw, like, the the OG one, not the, the one... Not the, uh, the M- recut M-
0: one that the studio tried to, you know, make you believe was real because right. they put Stanton Friedman and other right. UFO researchers in it. Yeah. the original The original cut was highly effective and scared the shit out of me and you could find it on youtube which is yeah great.
1: which is great yeah i and um it was one of the first episodes we had done of double density i remember like angelo had never seen it so i feel like part of my job on double density is just to show him these things and then he gets amazed by what's out there and i feel like he just lives in a cocoon um he, and it's, angelo, it's our job to
0: bring him out angelo definitely seems like he's lived a shel- sheltered life sure. <laughs> when
1: it comes to ufo abduction like like phenomena as well as like media absolutely yeah, for sure. Um but I mean like close encounters of the third kind is a great movie. Uh, uh, ostensibly about alien abduction, right? Uh
0: yeah, because the I mean that that kid gets abducted right up front and you know, that's <laughs> that's not cool. Aliens that's not cool. Um there's a I want to say
1: it's like from 2013 or 2014 and Scream Factory put out the Blu-ray for it's just called Extraterrestrial and I thought yes. it was going to be shitty, but yes. it actually was really really good. Really. Um, surprisingly so and like for example like it's these like teens and obviously it's the classic set of like teens hanging out but then they run into this like dude who's basically like a like an encyclopedia of like like conspiracy theories and like he just kind of goes off and it's kind of fun to listen to some of the stuff because the person who wrote the script obviously knows a lot about this was fun to listen to but it's actually a pretty effective thriller in terms of like an alien abduction film
0: i'm gonna have to go watch that because like uh, the best that you get in signs of that is the uh, the one guy in the bookstore that thinks that uh, they're just trying to sell you Coke all the time on TV.
1: <laughs> and then trying to return the one book they accidentally shipped to him.
0: Yes. Um, which apparently only city people would read. Right. What,
1: and what does that even mean? Like, who would come into town and then, like, the door opens, right, and it's like this b- businessman and, the sh- like, the shop owner is like, by the way, we have a book for you. Here you go. Because you look like the kind of guy who loves aliens because you live in a place near other
0: people you know what would be better if they reshot that scene and it was ray's occult books from ghostbusters 2
1: (laughs) like a cornucopia of like oddities i love that idea
0: like if if i could do like a scary movie but like, like i know they did one you know with signs and they spoofed the hell out of it but if i could redo that i would just like that would be one scene that i would insert into that movie uh, I would
1: love to watch
0: that. Yeah, it would it would, it would would be so great. So I think the alien abduction movies that pissed me off, um, uh, the fourth kind. Um, oh, most, yeah. Mostly Co- because uh- they they tried to sell it to you as real. Um, oh, yeah,
1: like based on true events. And I remember we were watching this, and we were trying to figure out what the true events
0: were. Yeah, and like the only thing that you really have to go on is that there are a lot of missing people up in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but they're not missing because of UFOs and like and realistically, uh, Alaska I don't even think is in the top percentile for UFO sightings anyway.
1: I just think like like in terms of climate it wouldn't actually work that well. No.
0: No, not not at all. Um I think what, that's okay. the only one that really angered me. Really. Yeah. What about a rival? Charlie Sheen. Um you know? arrival um, I, I I tend to separate arrival
1: just okay. because
0: just because um, Tom Delong doesn't think it's accurate the the Charlie
1: Sheen version or the Denny Villeneuve movie
0: um you know I, I'm gonna say they that uh, he <laughs> thinks both because he's are. never specified
1: right like I read that and I was just like I don't know which one he's talking about and I don't know if he's just watching old VHS tapes or
0: not You know what? He could because he's read books for 25 years and he knows.
1: (laughs) He's a a man who knows a lot about this. He is a man who everyone should give money to so that he may continue his pursuits. Who knows what they are? He's not going to tell you.
0: He's his own truther.
1: (laughs) By the way, buy his books. Yes, I I own them. I bought them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like one day I need to make a pilgrimage out to um, his store. Oh, his, uh, uh, in story California. Story. Yeah, yeah. I, like that is like uh, like maybe on my honeymoon, I will uh, uh, lie to my new wife and just make our way out there.
0: I- I'm just gonna say, as an American, uh, to honeymoon in California, I um, there are better places. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> no offense to people out in L. A., but there are better places. <laughs> For, is
1: wait, are you advertising like a new uh, uh, service that you're offering where it's just you give? Honeymoon advice to yeah. people based on their like likes and dislikes.
0: Yeah, for for sure. Um, I think you guys need to go to like Sedona, Arizona, to really live it up. Perfect. Then, I'm going to suggest this right like as soon
1: as we stop recording to see where this goes.
0: <laughs> and then I'm going to suggest that you make your way to like the military bases. Like definitely hit up Dugway. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you you could go to Roswell. I don't think you're gonna really see much um, unless you have. Like a really intense truther with you, you you're gonna yeah. you're gonna need that. Um, Go to Dulce, Dulce, um, yeah. where TJ's uh, certain that you're going to um, disappear. <laughs> and um, also, there's been uh, a- an alien war going on for decades uh, down there. Yes, um, Paul Benowitz was the first casualty, <laughs> sadly, um, and and it was Rick Doty's fault. You just you just you're just connecting all the dots here. Yeah, we, we we connect dots. That's all we do in this show. So yeah, I think I think Sedona, Arizona is the good good you know, good starting spot right, for okay. you guys. You could go up north to Snowflake and go see Travis. I think that would be it. that would be a, be be kind be of a good move. Unannounced too. Yeah, yeah, just you know, pop in on him, see how he's doing. Best way um, to do it. Yeah, that's that's just uh, and and you know what? I, I you could try and uh, go up into the forest they'll probably arrest you for going up there but <laughs> you know at least it that's sounds like the... a
1: great way to start my new married life
0: well, listen you you know that you're in for it when you get arrested during your honeymoon <clears throat> it's a real it's a real i feel like the wheels have come off here at this point <laughs> uh, i they, they have um you know what um sedona arizona the the honeymoon capital of the world we'll just leave that bad.
1: <laughs> you need to make bumper stickers yeah you we're going we're to make, going this to is, make this we're, is bumper sticker
0: yeah it, it it really is so um so Brian, thank you for joining me on this odyssey through the oh the shitty movie signs tell every everyone where they can find out all about you on the internet and all about Double Density.
1: So you can find me over on Twitter. Uh, I mainly tweet about cats and uh, things I find weird. So Brian Hasty, H-E-S-T-I-E for uh, the podcast Double Density. You can find us on Twitter at Double Underscore Density. You can head over to Facebook.com slash Double Density Podcast. Same thing on Instagram. And uh, if you want to, you can also visit double density.net to find out um, the different uh, podcast platforms we're on as well as read all of our newest episodes. And if you want to kind of get a look at our pasty white selves, you can do that. Uh, me and my co-host and Angela have nifty little pictures. Mine is of uh, the uh, state plaque for the hill abduction in New Hampshire, um, which was a fun thing that I managed to do last summer.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's definitely one of the main reasons why I go to DoubleDensity.net is to <laughs> Just see to that photo, at the picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and to see uh, the, the one photo of Angelo's cat, Lollipop. Oh yeah, like she comes on all the time, so she's got to stop doing that. Yeah. Is Angelo's cat a, a media whore? I I wanna say no, but in my heart of hearts,
1: the frequency by which she shows up, like right in the middle of a broadcast, I think yes.
0: Oh, uh, yes. Well, you know. <laughs> that 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 happens, so um <laughs>
1: Rob, this has been such a pleasure, and i'm like I like truthfully I'm really glad I revisited this movie because I never need to do it again, like i have always wanted to, and now I don't need to, and not only that, but I have a document talking about how much I fucking hated watching this like hour and fifty eight mo- minute movie and how much it drove me insane and crazy, and how it's like such a bad representation of what could have been a great concept
0: I agree, and I'm glad this could be the definitive period to a the end of a sentence that just <laughs> ends. Everything that needs to do with this goddamn movie. Um, So, (laughs) yes.
1: We should also invite people to mail you their DVDs and their VHS copies of science so that we may have a mass burning.
0: I think we can orchestrate something like this. I think Um, we should start a campaign right here, right now. I mean, if my neighbor can burn in their front yard when it's uh, not even the right season for it, why can't I? So There you go. Yeah. Start the
1: initiative. Get the posters. Let's go, let's go do some neighborhood flyering.
0: Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's bound to happen. So um, um, if you, if you want to find us, the Our Strange Skies podcast, uh, we are available on every platform, including the platform you're, you're listening to it on right now. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for Our Strange Guys. Our email is ourstrangeguys@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And finally, don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in Our Strange Guys. In greater trust. Yep, that's a good place for that fucking thing. Disgusting. Don't don't no. Don't don't bother yourself. Duvide Media.